Now, if you don't, uh, yeah, the kids can put their shoes back on. Uh, you can if you're an adult as well. But we are turning to uh, Exodus chapter 3, the, the story that I just sort of recounted to the children there. And we're going to look at, a, at this passage of Scripture. It's a very powerful passage, one that you're probably familiar with. In Exodus 3, and it's the burning bush. And it's one of the more recognized. It always makes it into the kids' books, you know. I don't know if it's because of the taking off the shoes part or the burning bush or what, but nonetheless, let's, let's dive into this this morning and see what God might have for us today. Notice this reading from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. We pray now that You would bless this reading of Your Word. Make it a word to us this morning. We pray in Your most holy name. Amen. When I went to India uh, the first time, two years ago, I had a really unique experience. I, I actually ended up going to a Hindu temple. Um, and I had to take my shoes off. And I've never really had to be in a place where I had to take my shoes off and walk across, you know, the road to get to the place and then walk all the way around through there with, with no shoes. It was really an odd kind of thing for me. And uh, when I came to this, it just happened again to pop in my mind. You know, all religions have holy places. And it's, there's no difference even when you get to the Bible. There are certain places that are holy. Uh, and there are places that are not holy and where we are told not to go. Uh, where, where, for instance, Egypt will become a place that you don't want to return to Egypt. It represents slavery. It represents your bondage. And when I come to this passage, I, I, was, I was reminded of that and reminded that we do serve a holy God. He's not common. He's not like any other God because there is no other God. One of the things that, um, that my brother said to me just moments ago uh, before the service was in his prayer for me, he said, speak as if Jesus was here this morning. I want to just keep this simple because I don't want to speak for Jesus. That's a very, very scary thing for me. And yet, I must. It's what He's called me to do. 
I think if he was here today, I think here's what he would say. I like to come near. I like to come near to you. This is what he's doing here in this Exodus passage, isn't it? He's coming near. God, who is higher than we are, we've already talked about this in this holiness thing, His thoughts are greater than ours, His ways are beyond us, and yet He wants to come near. We've already established, and I hope you have heard me say this, and that is holiness is about a relationship with Jesus. That's, that's ground zero for what holiness means. Holiness is knowing God and loving God with all of your heart. This is the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. This is Jesus saying you can sum up the entire Old Testament with two laws, and that is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's about a relationship. And yet, haven't you noticed in your own life that relationships happen in certain places, in particular places? I mean, when I think about my relationship with Jessica, it immediately takes me back to a gymnasium, a fellowship hall, uh, at my dad's church, where I went to a service and all of a sudden noticed this girl that I had not seen before but really liked looking at. And so I positioned myself directly in front of her, in the place in front of her, in the seat in front of her, so that she would not miss me. Uh, And afterward, I placed myself right in front of her in order to talk to her. And this is a very special place for us. On our 10-year anniversary, I took her there. Wasn't that romantic? (laughs) Why is that romantic? Because that place means something to, to Jessica and myself. That's a place where we met That's a place where for us, a relationship was born. Not only that, uh, our children, the places where they were born, where they took their first breath, means something to us. I mean, Jackson's my only Mississippi dude. You know, that means something to me. He's actually a Mississippian. He was born in Mississippi, just like me. Uh, And so that means something to me. We still remember certain places when I think of... of, uh, Different ones of you, there were certain... When I look at you, there's certain things that come to mind. New Orleans, there's some people from New Orleans here. You know, Huda. And then there, there, I think of Paul, and I think of Beauregards, and we were sitting there and we were having a conversation about church and about God. And, and that place still, to me, is a holy place. It's a place of meeting. Relationships happen in certain places. And that's important to God. In other words, if we're going to have a relationship with God, there are certain places that are important. Even if you will, more important than other places. Doesn't He make this clear? Even in the beginning, He puts them in a garden. And He says, you can do whatever you want in this garden, except for go to this place and do this thing with that tree. That's it. One prohibition. The rest of the world's wide open. And we move out of the garden, don't we? He expels us from the garden. Adam means mankind. Mankind fails. Mankind places themselves in the place of God. Displaces God. And so therefore we are displaced out of the garden 
into the jungle of this life that we find ourselves in today. But God doesn't stop there, does He? He comes to us. He comes after us. He even comes in the garden to Adam and Eve as soon as they sin and says to them, where are you? And again, as I've said last week, that question resounds. Even today, where are are we hiding? Are we in a place of hiding from God? He's coming after us. You're not going to get away. No one will get away. Psalm 139 is very clear about that. You cannot get away from His presence. You go to the deepest ocean, there He is. You get on a spaceship, and there's some being built here, and go up into the universe, farthest corner of the universe. You get out, there He is. Hi. You're not going to... Hell. Heaven. He's there. He's there. That's what the psalmist says. You cannot escape Him. You might as well deal with Him. You must deal with Him. And so He comes after us. He comes after us in the way of going after Noah. He looks across the world and everybody's heart is evil and only evil except for Noah. One man. And so he said, okay, this is the starting point. And he baptizes the world, cleanses the world literally with water in order to restrict the evil from overtaking us. You remember last week we talked about how relationships are contagious, how Christianity, the life of God that He extends to us, is caught and not just taught. So too is sin. Sin is something that's caught. You don't have to teach children to sin. I remember the first time that Jackson deliberately disobeyed me. I was flabbergasted. really was. No, the other kids after him. Not a big deal anymore. Saw it coming, you know what I mean? But, but Jackson, I remember he had this big red bat. And I had my computer. It was, a, it was a, one of those towers. Nobody even uses that kind of stuff today. Well, some people do, but not me. Uh, and I, so I, one of those towers, you know, what, and it was on the ground. I was trying to get some work done to it. I had this big red bat. And, and he hit it one time, and I said, hey, you know, do not hit that again. And I brought him over there, looked him in the face, and said, do not hit that again. You understand, Daddy? Walks back over there, rears back, boom, hits it. I'm like, did you just see that, Jessica? Can you believe that? I told him to do this to his face. He said yes, and then he did not do it. Sounds like Adam and Eve. Sounds like mankind. Sound a little bit like your life. We want to be in charge. We want to do what we want to do. We want to be God. That's the greatest sin of all is pride. We want to displace God and make up our own rules. God will not allow that. He will not allow that to happen. So He comes. He comes after Noah. After Noah, they continue sinning. We continue sinning. And so He comes after a family. Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob. You remember Jacob? What happens to Jacob? He runs away. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he runs away and he sleeps one night and he's he's trying to get away from his brother because he feels like his brother's going to kill him, which his brother probably would at that point have killed him. And he lays down on a rock and that night he has a dream. Do you remember this dream? Called Jacob's Ladder, oftentimes, but it's actually a staircase that leads to heaven. And he sees... None other than God at the top of this staircase and angels descending and ascending this staircase. And he wakes up the next morning and he says, My goodness, I have actually been in the very house of God and didn't even know it. He found himself in a holy place. 
He didn't realize it, but he was on holy ground. And you know what? That's the same mountain that Moses finds himself on right here in this story. And so God now has moved from, just as sin is moving, sin is moving in the world from a couple to a family to all nations. God moves from an individual, Noah, to now a family, Abraham, now to a nation, Israel, through Moses. So he comes to Moses and he says, you know what? I'm about to do something new, Moses. i got a family now, but we're about to break this thing out into a nation. I'm going to call my own special people out, my firstborn son, as actually what he ends up calling them, and I'm going to call them to myself. And this is exactly what he's doing here in the text, but he doesn't stop there. He keeps coming to us in David. Do you remember this? David to a kingdom now, not just a family, not just a couple, not just a family, not just a nation, but now a worldwide kingdom that is known by all other kingdoms. And this kingdom, this son of David that will come, will have a kingdom that will last forever. You see, God is interested in places. You ever heard of the promised land that they were moving to? The promised land that also means for us a land that we're moving to? Just as Abraham was looking for a city that he didn't exactly know where it was, so too we're looking for a city whose foundations are not built by mankind, but by God. And we move toward that city. He has come near to us. He wants to be near to us. And He does things in order to place Himself right in our midst. This is what He wants. Do you know what? He doesn't just stop there. Not just with a kingdom. When Jesus comes, what does Jesus accomplish for us? Jesus comes to a particular place, very important place, Jerusalem. And we could sit here and start you know, doing a Bible study on all the important places, but hopefully they're running across your head right now. You know what? He comes to Jerusalem and this is where He dies. This is where He resurrects. This is also where He starts the church. Where now... You don't have a tent that they're moving around in the desert. You don't have a temple that's only located in one place, Jerusalem, that everybody has to come to. Now he breaks the thing wide open and the temple of God... You're looking at him. Just look around the room real quick. That's That's where God wants to dwell. In you. In me. His holy place is now here. That's why all of a sudden maybe, you know, you thought it was about some far off place, some Jerusalem place that you're not really familiar with, some big word in the Bible that you can't pronounce very well. No, no, it's about right here. God comes near and He wants to live in us. That is His holy temple. Jesus Himself has tabernacled with us, and now the tabernacle is in us. What a powerful thought that He would want to place Himself in the world. And how does He do that? By placing Himself in us. That's God's plan. I would have never chosen that. Why? Because I know who I'm dealing with here. I, you know... No. This place? No, surely not. And this is the way we started this whole holiness thing, wasn't it? By asking the question, surely not me. No, surely you. That's who He's calling to be holy. He wants you to be holy. Not 
Not the priest or the pastor, not the teacher or the missions people or the music people. He wants every single one of us to be holy because that's His dwelling place. That's where He chooses to dwell. And you know what? Here's the, here's the sort of dirty little secret about God. That was always His plan. He never had a plan B. There was no plan B. He always wanted to be with us. And He still does. No matter what we've done, He still wants to be with us. And He's done whatever it takes to get to us. And to make it possible for us to receive Him. And just like Adam, mankind, before us, just like mankind before us, the only thing that prevents Him is us. He will not take it from us. He will not force it down our throat. We receive. And we receive by faith. If you want to be holy, if you want this place to be holy, you must believe. You must put your faith in Him. You say, I, I don't, that's, that sounds impossible to me. You don't, you don't know me. You know what? All things are possible with God. Amen. Even your life. Even my life. Praise be to God. We can be His holy vessels. Has nothing again to do with who we are. That's what we always get caught up on. Oh, I can't, you know, He can't. No, no, that's all about you. The, you know what a holy life looks like? I think one of the best descriptions, if, if sin... The best description for sin is selfishness. Then the best description of holiness is forgetting yourself. Being lost in another. Isn't that what true love is all about anyway? When we talk about loving one another, it's not about loving me. It's about loving and being lost in another. Giving my life for the sake of another. Have you been to a place where God has met you? It doesn't have to be some special place. What makes it special is that He meets you there. Mine sound like this. A kitchen chair at the table. That's where God met me. Five years old. God met me in a powerful way in a makeshift kitchen. Some kind of thing about eating here that I'm noticing. (laughs) At a retreat. So we would eat in this room and we would have our service in this room and God broke into this, you know, park in Mississippi at a retreat and He did something in my life and that has been a holy place for me. It's not some place I go pilgrimage. Why? Because we don't have to pilgrimage. He's here! Emmanuel! God with us. He's in our midst. It's where He wants to be. He would not be anywhere else rather than in us, with us. He likes us that much. You know, I've often said this, I'll say it again, uh, is that, you know, we often kind of say, yeah, you know, I I love old so-and-so, but I don't really like him. You know what I mean? I mean, and quite frankly, there is sort of a difference. You know, I can love people and not really like them. Do you know what? Here's, here's the crazy thing about God. 
He loves us and He likes us. That's the only thing I can gather from reading the Scriptures is He actually likes to be with us. That's nuts to me. Because I don't even like to be with me all the time. I even get mad at me. I get frustrated with me and fed up with me. You ever had that happen? I hope so. We all need to come to the end of ourself and allow the Spirit to gaze our eyes to others and not ourself. Love is about the other, not me. What if we could just forget about ourselves? That's what holiness looks like. He reveals His name to Moses. (laughs) And by revealing His name, He reveals His character, who He is. Name isn't just, you know, like, you know, my my first son's name is Jackson, right? Son of Jack. Well, I'm sorry, he's not son of Jack. He's actually not. Um, Names don't really mean that much to us. And, you know, we name people all kind of crazy things, you know. In In the ancient world, name meant character. Jacob means deceiver. Israel, which is what it was changed to later after he wrestled with God in a certain place. You remember this? God takes him to a certain place and basically has a wrestling match with him. Breaks his hip essentially in some way or messes up the muscle there. uh, And he wins. Not just God. God allows Jacob to win. That's why his name is changed to Israel, which means to struggle against God and man and to succeed. Have you ever struggled with God? You ever had to? Do you do you have you had that place where where you know God, where you met God? You must have those places. They can be crazy places because what matters is that He's there. And guess what? He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Some movie about that. I don't know. I can't recall it now, but trust me, it's funny. We can find ourselves as I see it, in in sort of three locations, three places. We can be in a lower place, which always, literature-wise, is not the good place. Even militaristically, right? Being in a low place, you want the high ground. You want the high ground. You don't want to walk up the mountains in Afghanistan fighting. That's, That's not good. We've all seen how that kind of stuff turns out, honestly. No, we're not called to lower ground, not to be disadvantaged, disabled, deprived, in the valley of the shadow, in the valley of dry bones. That's not our calling. We are not called to that place. We're not to live in the valley where there's all kinds of shadows and scary things that can happen to us. No, we're called to move to higher ground. We're also not called to the middle ground of indecision. The middle ground of waffling back and forth, of flip-flopping. We hate it when politicians flip-flop, but we seem to not mind when we do. When I do, we give ourselves a break. I'm not trying to give politicians a break. I'm just showing the hypocrisy in our own conversations. No, we cannot be in just the middle ground. We must move to the high ground. What Isaiah said was the highway of holiness. You know where this highway is? You know where He makes this highway? In the desert. And He says, you know what? It's like a stream. Streams in the desert. Now I've been, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know a whole lot about deserts. Uh, some of you do because you travel to Yuma and this sort of thing. Uh, but I've been learning about the Arabian Desert 
who's been studying Islam. And it's pretty crazy. It's pretty dry. It's very dangerous. You know what? He makes a highway in the desert. He puts water in the desert. He brings from ashes something good. He brings fruit from what is barren. Do you notice who he, what kind of people he picks? He doesn't look around and say, okay, yeah, you're best suited. You say, I'm not really suited for ministry. I don't really have the gifts for ministry. Hey, that's the person he wants to sign up. He, when he started with a family, one family out of every family, he chose a barren family. In other words, a family couldn't even have children. You say, way to go, God. It's kind of dumb, isn't it? You know what? <laughs> Here's another secret about God. He likes to use the weak things, the discarded things, what seems to be the trash of the world. He likes to use those people you know what? That's good news for me. might not be good news for you, but it's good news for me because I don't have the giftings. I have to trust in Him all the time. So much so that I'm sometimes like, why did you even call me this? I can't do this. He says, man, that's kind of where I want you. It's not about you anyway. It's about what I can do in you. It's God. It's a relationship with God. Even if you have the best gifts, when you offer them, there'll be nothing without God. No, we must move to the higher ground. And He calls us on this journey and He gives us a guide. The guide is the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be in the right place, we must be in His place, the Holy Spirit's place, where He is placed within our hearts. Not displaced, not replaced with idols. <coughs> We must cast down our idols. Cast down the things that we hold on to. We must open the doors of our hearts, of our interior, of our soul. There are places that we all keep locked and shut away. Open them up to His light. That's the only way for healing. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. He wants to bring healing to us. If we're in the right place. And when we're in the right place, we can rest. That's what holiness is. Is resting from the struggle. You're saved. God justifies you. He forgives you. What, you're in, what you, you will find is there's still a struggle. Now there's a big struggle. He wants to put that to rest. He wants to win the war. You'll still have battles. There's no doubt. But the war can be decided in your own heart, and you can rest. Hebrews 4 says, there remains a rest for the people of God. We can enter into that rest where we know we are His and He is ours. What a beautiful place. As our hearts are restless, as we want to go from place to place, He can say, calm down, my son, my daughter, because I'm here. And His presence is what fixes us. It's Him. He's the Holy One. We kick off our shoes. We lay down our idols. We can give all the excuses we want, just like if you continue reading this story here in Moses. He gives every excuse in the book, and God continually says, I'm calling you, buddy. Get over it. You know what? I think if Jesus was here, I think He would say, I'm calling you. You, right here. You're in this holy place this morning. Look, in worship, very heavy this morning with the Spirit. 
has nothing to do again with, with the people on this. They're, they would tell you it wasn't. It doesn't have anything to do with me. The Spirit is here. God is present with us. And you know what He's doing? He's revealing Himself and He's going to call you because that's what He always does. You say, ah, not me. Surely not. No, surely you. This is what holiness is about. He's calling you. Will you say, here I am, Lord. Send me. That's the only right response here. You're not going to get away from Him. There is no getting away from God. You cannot hide. You cannot run. Today is the day of salvation. I'm going to say this last thing and then I'm done. You can be at home with your family and not be at home in your heart. I think there's some people like that today. You're at home, going through the motions. There's no life inside. If we were able to look inside, there's no, no presence there. It's just emptiness. It's the worst place to be. I've lived that life. Where I've got the actions, got the works, but inside, it's dead man's bones. That's what Pharisaism is. I'm not trying to be all moralistic. I'm trying to offer you the truth. You can be home today in your heart because God is there. He is our final home. We were made for Him. And until He is in us, in everything we do, our whole heart is given to Him. We will never be at home no matter what kind of life you build, no matter what kind of friends you have, no matter what kind of retirement or plans you have, you will never be at home until He is in your heart in a full and complete way. And He can do that today. If you would come to this place, places are important. Places are where relationships happen. Don't remain alone. You can be around a lot of people and still be alone. Come to the One who can fill us with love and make us happy because He'll make us holy. This is what He's come to do. I think if He was here this morning, He would say, I'd like to come near. And I'd like to come near to you this morning if you'll come near to me. He's here. Will we come? Amen.